check one, two. There we go. I think I hear something. Sorry. Sorry about the technical. That <laughs> feels weird. Sorry. <laughs> Not sure what's happening here. How are you guys today? Uh, man, I am so blown away. Uh, thank you, Warren. I, as, he was, as Warren was just talking, I was just thinking about that scripture in Proverbs that said, a generous man will prosper. And he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Man, it's, it's so wonderful. I was just hearing testimonies of generosity and favor that people are, are experiencing here at Lake Haven. And we too, I, man, we're, we're being blessed. And I'm, I'm excited to see because I know that God's got kingdom purpose in us. And he's going to use you. He's using you. And he is going to use you. If you'll just surrender to his ways, his system. But it's so, so different, right? His kingdom ways are just so different from the ways of the world. And that's why we've got to uh, adjust our adjust our life to it you know we've got right there in the back we've got a delivery um, of big two big massive crates eleven thousand dollars worth of of uh, digital sign was delivered and and you know it's so it, it's really exciting you know I'm I'll tell you more about it but but it's going to take a while for it to get it all installed and and put up right and but I'm just so blessed because it's a de- it's been a desire and a prayer of our hearts and and that's just come to pass in the last month you know and God has just just honored us and and is honoring you know through through blessings and people and and this particular one is a uh, just just a, a a benevolence gift from from an estate that that somebody who believed in us and I'll tell you more about that as we get down but it's just so it's just so enriching to see how the gospel is going to get preached through a digital sign because I, 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 have, got, I have got exciting things to tell people on that side. <laughs> some of them may be funny. Some of them may be a little bit challenging. Yes, sir. <laughs> but vocal, not like you, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> You know, to, to your dads with me, I, I was just also, I was just, my tears were coming to my eyes during the worship, you know, I was thinking about the faithfulness of God as we were singing about that. And, and, and I, uh, man, to, to, to stop, sometimes I run life at a, at a pace and, and, and I love living in the now and I love looking towards the future and sometimes to just stop and look back and to think, wow, God has been so faithful to me, you know. And I was thought about times when I was in the army and I thought about times that I've been in acute danger. I mean, not just in the army, but post-army in the mission field. I've had incredible deliverances, you know, and, and I was just thinking, wow. I, I mean, I'm so blessed. I've got an awesome, I've got awesome parents. <laughs> I've got an awesome dad. You know, I've got, I've got great friends that God has blessed me with here. You know, you, you guys that have invested in Corin and I, and, you know, we are in America, and I saw the flag yesterday, and I was so grateful. When we had flag day this week, and I was so grateful for this country. I'm so grateful for this country. Um, you know, I'm just so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for friends that I have in, around the world. I mean, I was like, I, I actually just got a WhatsApp message from a friend in Africa, and I was just like, and, and he was one of the, the, the African guys that I traveled very closely with, and we used to sit up the Crusades, and we don't talk often. Every few years, we, you know, he's got his, he's a, he's, he's an African pastor, and and very occasionally he, you know, he'll just say, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> and I, you know, it's, I'm just so blessed because I've got, I just think, you know, how many people have got the opportunity of having friends in Australia and in Zambia and in South Africa and in, 
you know, in Costa Rica and in Pennsylvania and Colorado. You know, I've, I just like, we just, we just, we're just so blessed. And of course, my wife, I know I'm just carrying on a little bit, forgive me, but, 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 but you know, you, my wife and my children, man, we're, we're, I'm excited because we are, we are a blessed family. And I, and I know Dr. Uh, Pastor Dave is not with us this morning. I'm really blessed by Pastor Dave. You know, he is a, such a great guy. And like Warren had said, he is, um, you know, his ministry the last two weeks has been profound, talking about the power of praise and worship. And let's not forget what God has, what has spoken to us, um, that we magnify his name in, in not, you know, not because of circumstance, but in the midst of circumstances. We magnify him and see him for how great he is. So um, the next, uh, where I'm going today, um, I'm going to start a series that I feel on my heart that's going to run for a little while, um, probably about five or six weeks. And the, the goal of this series is, is, to, is, is to lay a bit of a foundation so that we can go further. Okay, so this is going to be a really critical sort of summary of some essentials in the next five or six weeks that I want to package and have reference to on video um, on, so that we can have it on YouTube and we can have it on our, our video so we can use as reference points because some of these things we know, some of these things you've heard, but, but if we are going to build on a foundation, we have to declare the foundation we have to, so, so we have to establish a good foundation so we can move on from this foundation towards greater things. Amen. So what, I'm, what the series is going to be called is Grow. And today will be part one of the series Grow. And uh, I've subtitled today, uh, Get Down and Dirty. Okay. Are you, are, you, are you ready to get down and dirty? Are you ready to roll up your sleeves and get stuck in? Because... Um, this is, this is going to, as I said, you've heard some of this stuff, perhaps, I'm sure you have, because we, we, we talk about it a lot, but we need to get this in our hearts, we need to get this established in our hearts, we need to have a working knowledge of this, I say that very carefully, a working knowledge of this, not an informational knowledge of this. We need to, so that we can build our lives if we are going to experience the abundant life that Jesus gave us. It's important. You and I are designed to live the abundant life that Jesus came for us. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Or that you can, that's a beautiful word if you study it out. It's not just have a little bit extra. It's over and above, exceedingly abundantly above. It's kind of like the Greek word is ridiculous. It's, it's very overflowing. It's, I think, at Hooper Pearsort. It's more than extravagantly above and beyond. God just didn't say that, hey, listen, I'm going to give you just life, which would have been cool if Jesus' life is not just like regular life. But he designed you and I to live an abundant life. But there is this personal responsibility side of it. I know, please, don't gasp too much. Okay. The, the word personal responsibility, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll lay this foundation because um, as we go on, because people always want to, we'll talk a little bit about works and we'll talk about those kind of things, but, but it is, as I said, um, moving right along, let's just get stuck into it. So get down and dirty. Number one, I wanted you to understand that God is, God is a heart God. Okay, first scripture, first Samuel 16 verse 7 says, but the Lord said to Samuel, this is of course when he's considering the David and his brothers, Samuel shows up at Jesse's 
farm, wherever it was, and, and, and Jesse brings out his tallest, good-looking, strongest boys because he says, one of your sons um, I'm going to be anointing, you know, um, bring them up, present them before me. And of course, they didn't even think about David because he was the little chap out in the fields and he was sort of insignificant. It's important. Think about that. He was insignificant, even in his father's sight. But then Jesse goes, he says, is this all you, after he sees all these boys, Samuel says, where, where, isn't there anybody else? And he's like, yeah, uh, yeah, but surely one of these guys, right? And he said, no. And he says, well, we've got this one guy in the field out there. And then when he sees David, he says this, but the Lord said to Samuel, after he sees David, he says, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. God does not look at the things people looked at. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Sorry, it wasn't when he looked at David. He looked at when he looked at one of his bigger brothers, obviously. Sorry, this is just irritating. He stole a little bit. I should have done this before the service. Sorry, Warren. <laughs> oh, that's right. Dave's been having it. It's Dave's fault. Dave, if you watch it. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So, so understand that, that we, we, we have, we've got to understand that people, you and I, are a three-part being. We are spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. We are three-part. And it's good that we, under, we need to understand this foundation. And as I said, you can, we can unpack all of this in, in detail. But into being a three-part man, soul, the soul of us is that internal part of us where our mind, our intellect lives, our, our will our, our is, and our emotions live. That is our soul. We are a, a soul being. We're, we have a soul. That's our mind, our emotions, and will. But we have a body. That's, that is five physical senses. You've got fingers and toes. You've got lungs that suck air, keeps you on this planet. That, kind of, that, that part that interacts with physical peace people, that's, that's your body. But then we have a spirit that Bible, the Bible tells us very clearly is that your spirit is, not, is dead until you become born again. And then God breathes his life into you and you become, your spirit comes alive. And that's your spirit part is perfect and it's whole. It's complete. Nothing can touch your spirit. Your spirit is whole. Praise God. Okay, so, but it's good that we understand how the soul affects this and how, how we go this. You know, so um, when, we, when we go into, um, we go into, into the scripture, forgive me again, sorry. Um, we see that God deals with us from our hearts. And now I want, to, I want you to see the heart is not the spirit. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that heart and spirit. He says that the word of God divides even between heart and spirit, soul and spirit. There is no thing. Your heart is not the same as your spirit. Why can I say this? Well, because of these scriptures. The Bible tells us one in Romans 10.10. 10, it says that with our hearts we believe. With our hearts, we believe and are justified. It says in Romans 10.10. 10. I'm just going to stop there. So we, we believe where? In our hearts. We see this in many scriptures that it's with our hearts we believe. But there's another scripture. It says in Mark 11, it tells us that we, can, or we are not to doubt in our hearts. So in, 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 that's in Mark 11.23. It says, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, but does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. 
So he says that with our hearts we believe, with our hearts we doubt. And then you've heard this scripture many times before, Proverbs 4.23. We're going to pack that a little bit again. It says, above all else, guard your heart. This is not your spirit. You don't doubt with your spirit. You doubt with your heart. You can doubt in your heart, okay? And, 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 and I'll explain this. I believe that when these three parts of our beings come together, our body, if you can imagine those circles, I once did an illustration. If this is our body, and this is our soul, and this is our spirit, I believe the heart is the core of this where this all comes together. It is influenceable. Your heart can be influenced. And I've got a bunch of scriptures that we can go into that. But, but, but in Matthew 15, 19, Jesus said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality. In 1 Corinthians 4, 5, it says, uh, there, it says the, um, He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness, and it will expose the motives of the heart. So we see that motives come from the heart, etc., etc. So heart is very influenceable. And Mark, Mark um, oh, sorry, because it's influenceable, we're told in Proverbs 4.23 that we have got to, above all else, guard our heart. Guard our heart. The NLT, New Living Translation, says, um, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. King, New King James says, for out of it spring the issues of life. Uh, Amplified Version says it this way, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. Message says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. That is pretty strong language. We are told to guard it. If we don't guard our hearts, that is where our life flows from. Remember Jesus said, I've come that you can have life and life more abundantly. Our life has got to be, we're told to guard it. And this is not just Old Testament. I know that's an Old Testament scripture, but it's absolutely, as we will go through some of these scriptures, we, we see that in the New Testament too. How we can influence our heart. But, no, let me just, let me go and carry on here. But that word heart, that, that word from, from the, the word that, um, that's used for for issues is the word boundaries. From these create the boundaries of your life. Your heart uh, is established. And we have, Norman and Linda are doing a, a book that, that uh, Dr. Jim Richards called Moving Your Invisible Boundaries. And it deals on this topic. And it's powerful. I know many of you are going through that. Some of you are going through that. And, and it's a powerful, powerful book. I highly, highly recommend that book. It's one of those set works that, that you can go. Um, but, but the word is actually, uh, it's a Greek word called totsa. And it's, it is talk, uh, talks about uh, the issues, the outgoings of your life, the, the boundaries are uh, over there. So we know, little summary, the heart is where we believe. The heart is where we can doubt because Jesus said, don't doubt in your heart. And we're told to guard our heart because our very life flows from it. This is not a side issue. Jesus said... <laughs> The word of God tells us that God is a heart God. We just saw it in Samuel, right? And that this is what we need to guard. Okay. So, so how, do we, how, do we, how do we understand this? Well, there is a scripture in, in Mark 4, which we're going to unpack a little bit more. But in this, this one scripture said, 
talks about the parable of the sower, and Letty referred to this a little bit during the worship when she speaks about gardening, and, and he talks about this parable of the sower because it does deal with the heart. And then Jesus says this. He says, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any, any parable? Um, he says, with the measure, verse 24 of Mark 4, he says this, with the, um, the Amplified says, be careful what you are hearing with the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear, it says in the Amplified. Consider carefully, NIV says, what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. The New King James says, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you hear, it will be measured to you. And more will be given. New World Living says, place close attention to what you hear. You get this time and time again in the New Testament, in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus says, take care to what you hear. Remember the story of the wise and the foolish builders? Matthew 7. The difference between the wise and the builder and the foolish builder, Jesus tells us, is that the wise one, they both sat in the same church building, Jesus said. They both listened to the same Sunday message. But the one hears the word of God, that's number one, hears, they both hear, hears the word of God and puts it into practice, does it, and the second one does not put it into practice. And Jesus says that the wise builder has a house that withstands the storms. Storms, as many of you can testify, are coming to our lives, do come to our lives. And when storms come to our lives, and many of us have been wiped out by storms, you and I have the privilege and the opportunity to build ourselves up before the storm comes. You've heard me say time and time, to, time and time again, the time to learn to swim is not on the Titanic. It's very hard to get your heart influenced while you're on the Titanic. And they say, please report to, oh, never mind about the lifeboats, sorry. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, you, can't, you can't learn to swim there. Where you learn to swim and, and where we learn about these things is way before. I know many of you have faced life-threatening situations. I can think about testimonies across the room here. When you have a diagnosis of a doctor that says this is terminal or this is dramatically influencing, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's very difficult to get your heart established in situations like that. It's like climbing a greasy hill. Because the time to establish your heart in truth is now. Remember, Jesus said, you can come to the same church service. But if you want to build a life that's going to withstand the storms of life, you have to hear the word of God and put it into practice. Is Jesus talking about works? Absolutely not. He's not talking about works. So you've got to package this series together, okay? I can't do it all every Sunday. But you've got to understand that Jesus is not saying, you better be doing everything that I tell you, otherwise it's not going to work. Careful, he's talking about putting it into practice. The principle is hearing and putting it into practice, okay? So that is in Matthew 7. So um, what is the work of God? Just by the, let's just get that out of the way. John 6, 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, to believe in the him whom he has sent. <laughs> Do you want to know what the work of God is? To believe. To believe. Where do we believe? We started with this. Where do we believe? In our hearts. 
If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, we believe in our hearts. This is not knowing in our heads. There is a massive difference between knowing in your head and believing in your heart. Information, knowledge is the essential building block, but it doesn't stop with just knowledge. It has to proceed from knowledge to be like Proverbs talks about this extensively. You should read Proverbs chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. I think it's right up to chapter 8. talks about wisdom and the pursuit of insight and understanding. And it says that you cry aloud. It says if you don't get anything in life, I mean literally it says, listen, make sure you get wisdom. If you're going to pursue anything, pursue wisdom. Pursue knowledge. Cry aloud for knowledge, for insight, for understanding, for wisdom. Though it, cost, it says these words. Listen, though it costs you all you have. You want to count up what your net worth is? The wisdom of God says, count up your net worth and you, it would be worth it for you to spend every dime you have to get insight, understanding and knowledge. And he says, wisdom will guard you. You see the promises of wisdom. It will guide you. It will guard you. It will give you, it will give you honor. It will produce riches. It will do all of these things for you. But will you take God at his word? Or do we just trust in riches? You see, this is where the rubber hits the road. Because Jesus says that if you want to build a house, it's going to withstand the storms of life. And listen, people. We are going to have more storms. There is a good chance that we may be politically facing some storms. I know a bunch of Christians in this nation that are facing some storms. Standing up for their faith in this nation. America. If we are going to stand the storms of life, we need to be established. And we're talking about the heart because that is where we believe. So Jesus says, okay, I think I've made that point. Okay, of course, you've heard me say it many, many times. John 8, 31, 32. If you abide in my word, if you remain in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you remain in my word, you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I, I, I have to say this again because God spoke to me, not in an audible voice, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there is two thrusts that God has commissioned us at Lake Haven to focus on. One is the present day person and work of the Holy Spirit. Oh. The person and work of the Holy Spirit. And secondly, is that we need to be able to assimilate knowledge. We need to assimilate information. It needs to become insight and understanding and ultimately wisdom. James 1.21 says this, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. You can go and study that out in different translations. But it says to humbly accept the word planted in you. You, one, need to get the word planted in you. And two, you've got to quote unquote accept the word in your heart which is able to save you. That is talking about working out your salvation. Working out your salvation means that you get to experience, so you get to experience these God things. This is, this is important because people think, well, if I give my life to Jesus, I'll just sit back and all of these things will just come to me. 
Well, the, the truth is they are yours already. But how you're getting them working out is, is, is part of why we need to understand this. It, we have to, the issues of life, the very boundaries of life, life itself flows from our hearts, and we need to line up our hearts. I'll get a little bit into this. But in the parable of the sower now, I've got to touch on this. It's measure, measured three times. It's measured in Mark, I mentioned, sorry, in Mark 4, in Luke um, 8, and Matthew 13. We see Jesus saying the, the parable of the sower. Now, let me just say this about the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four perspectives from four different individuals. It is amazing how much they correlate. They don't all have the same stories. And each time where there is a story that they each refer to, I would highly recommend you go and read it in each of the stories. Because if I pulled these three parallels and I read and I studied the story in each one, each one adds a nuance that one of the writers saw. That's the same story, it's got the same gist, but, but, but you see these different points. But basically the gist of it in Mark 4 is what you, you know well. Um, so it goes out and sow the seed, etc., etc. And, and I'm, let me, I'm just going to summarize this so that I can move on. But we know that some seed falls on, on the pathway, hard ground. Okay? We know that some seed falls on, um, gets into shallow soil where it springs up and flower, I mean, it, the little shoots come out and it's all, but when the sun comes out, it melts away pretty quickly. Then, it, then there's the next kind of seed that finds good soil, sprouts, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for and other things choke the word and make it unfruitful. So it's planted, it's growing, but it cannot produce fruit. And lastly is the, 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 the best kind of seed that produces 30, 60, and 100 fold that's been weeded. There is so much truth, and you've heard me unpack this on other times. But it is important to understand, very clearly in these three passages, you see these truths. Satan comes to steal the seed. The seed is the word of God. So when he comes to steal the seed, if it's, plot, if it's just thrown out on a Sunday morning, and you don't do anything with it, Satan comes and steals the seed, and it doesn't bear any fruit. But if you hear the word of God and you listen to it and you put it into practice, you, all of those scriptures that I read from Matthew 7 and Mark, all of them all correlate. It's like that is how you allow the word of God to produce fruit in your life. Remember Jesus said it. It says you have made, your traditions can make the word null and void. Ouch. The word of God can have no effect in your life if we allow traditions to come in the way. Because you and I have been influenced. I tell you, it doesn't matter you, where we come, what culture we come from. You and I are sitting in a culture. You have parents that have influenced you. You have religion that has influenced you. You have politics that influence you. You have Facebook that influences you. You have the Kardashians that influence you. Okay. And whoever else you listen. You, 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 are, you, are, you, you, you have got to pay attention to what you hear to. You, what you hear. But the seed that you are going to become a farmer on, where we get down and dirty, is where we have to get our hands, roll up our hands, and take the seed of the word. Understand that it's my responsibility. The word clearly says that the heart, the heart in all of these parables is me, my heart. Say heart. Heart. Not your soul. Your heart. It's you are the farmer of your own heart. 
You have to weed your own heart. The cares of this world will choke the word of God. The deceitfulness of riches will choke the word of God. The desire for other things will choke it and make it unfruitful. And you see, the problem is, this is how it manifests. Well, I don't know about that Jesus thing because I tried it. How did, how did you try it? How did, how, how did you put it into practice? Well, you know, I'm just waiting on my healing. We'll have to get into that one a little bit more. Because the, the, there is a truth that we have to understand about what faith is. And faith is actually taught often like dead works. Most people teach faith, or at the greater understanding about faith, is actually a dead work. It's like, listen, if you do this, and you do that, and you add this, and you add this, then God will give you that. No. If you are waiting on God to do anything, you are not in faith. You're in works. Because faith understands that we only have, we only have by inheritance what Jesus earned for us on the cross. We only have what Jesus earned for us on the cross by grace through faith. We cannot earn anything that Jesus already hasn't earned for us. We have been given everything for life and godliness. When what faith and the fight of faith is, is got to do with raising the shield of faith is when we are challenged in our five physical senses by the presence of pain or the presence of, of poverty or the presence of things, we are tempted to say, I'm going to choose to believe my five senses. I'm going to choose to believe the flesh. I'm going to choose to believe this. I'm going to choose to believe that. Or I'm going to choose to believe what God says. If we choose to believe what the Lord says, that is standing in faith. If we choose to believe that Jesus earned for it and we start thanking him, so we will do a series on New Testament prayer because I know, I know that many believers are under the impression that prayer is asking God for stuff. That's, that's the totality of the understanding of New Testament prayer. Let's go to God. You've got to get on your knees. You've got to hold your hands, close your eyes, bend your head, right next to the bed, and you've got to ask him for stuff. That's not what prayer is. Prayer does have some of that, and that has to be defined. But you've got to understand where we are in the word of God. What Jesus says is ours by inheritance. Prayer, just as a, as a, a tidbit, you know that prayer is about intimate fellowship with your father. Just like Jesus taught us, there's intimacy that, that prayer is a time where you go to fellowship with your Father. That is what essentially what New Testament is. New Testament prayer is about relationship. It's about fellowship. It's about, it's about uh, 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 meditating on the truth. It's about declaring the truth. It's about establishing, understanding what your authority is and learning about. So there's the, all of these parts are part of our, of our inheritance in in the Lord. So, okay. So how in this process of, of my heart, look, so, okay, we've established I have this heart. My heart is something I have to guard. I have to believe with my heart. I'm this one, you and me, not just me, the pastor, you and me, you've got to guard, guard in your own heart. 
You have cares of this world that will be different to mine. You have deceitfulness of riches that will be different to mine. You have desires for other things that will be different to mine. We all are growing in different ways. And so we have to garden our own hearts. We have to make sure before we even weed our hearts, is the seed getting in? Or is it just lying on the soil? Is it on the hard pathway? That, that's kind of a tough reality, right? Because it feels like, but Shannon, you're saying that, that yes, it, it, we've got to. This is about following Jesus. This whole, this whole bag, people, is not about checking a, a, punching a, a piece of paper on a Sunday. If we want to experience abundant life, if we want to be authentic and genuine and have the life that Jesus said, it is our responsibility to, to understand and hear these things and move on from these things, right? So, we understand that we are the farmers of our hearts. We are the ones that have got to transform. So, so you know this scripture very well too. Um, in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, a couple of little things I've got to touch on the best. Again, what does tradition tell us that repenting is? Tradition. Christian tradition says repenting is what? It's, it tells you you've got to come in to the altar, fall on. You've got to be very, very sorry. And you've got to like show everybody around you and weep and cry about how sorry you are. Now, I don't know about you, but I did that a lot. And eventually, by the 6th or 26th or 56th time I did the thing, I started to doubt myself whether I was really sorry, because I was sorry, as sorry as I could be, but I was still carrying on doing the stuff that I wasn't supposed to carry on doing. I know none of you are like me, so it's just like... But, but repentance, repentance, according to the Greek word that we use as repent, is the word metanoia. It's the Greek word metanoia, and it literally means meta. Noia is your mind part of your soul, metanoias, change your mind. We are supposed to, when, we, when Jesus says we repent, we are supposed to change our minds. Right. Do yourself a favor, when you read that word, if you want to look it up in your Blue Letter Bible and see metanoia, go and read it, change your minds. It talks about changing your mind. It's changing the way that you think. Proverbs says it this way, I think it's in 23 sevens. It says that, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And if you go and look at that, that Hebrew word for think, you can read in different translations, puts it differently, because there's two Hebrew words, that there's sha'ar, which they say is think, but it's really to, to reason, to calculate, or to split open. To sha'ar is to like crack it open and see what's inside. And the second one is, as a man thinks in his, um, in his uh, nefesh in Hebrew is um, soul. As a man, if you split open his soul, it literally it says that. It says if you, if you split open a man's soul, you'll see what's, what's really inside. And, and it says that as you think in your heart, so is he. And, and there's, there's this process of, of, of here we see, what, this is what repentance is. Jesus says, listen guys, you're going to have to change your mind about a few things. We've, we haven't mentioned this scripture for a while, but Romans 2 verse 4 says it is 
the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to repentance, to leads us to a change of mind. We preach that God loves us unconditionally. We reach people with a message of God's unconditional love. That is a fundamental that we teach because it is. God loves you and every sinner and the same because he is love. He loves us unconditionally because he is love. But that love affects our hearts when we let it. We, when we love and express our love towards people, it, it, it allows people to change the way they think about God. Why? Because religion says... God's got the hammer. He's about to crush you. He's going to punish you. He's going to punish you for that sin. We know that's not true because we've, got, we've been established in the gospel. The gospel tells us that God's taken the atonement. The atonement paid the price for the sin. There is no more atoning that God. God cannot judge you for sin. He cannot judge you for any sin you've done but one. At the end of time, there will be the great white throne judgment for people who have not believed. And that judgment will be for whether they have believed in Jesus or not. But Jesus paid the price. It says that abundantly and we've spoken about this many times. There are so many scriptures in the New Testament that tell us that God is no longer counting men's sins against them. Why? Because Jesus, the Lamb of God, took away the sin of the world. God cannot punish you for your sin. Amen. So it's the goodness of kindness of God that leads people to change their minds. If you want somebody to repent, what do you need to do? Love them. Why do you think Jesus said, love your enemies? Do good to those who hate you. He says, if you, listen, he says, if you just love those who love you, you've got the love of a sinner. So what does that tell you about Jesus, God? Do you think God loves his enemies? Or do you think God expects us to be better than him? Because that's what it's been taught. That's how I was I taught. You know, that God expects us to love our enemies, but God doesn't love his enemies. No, his enemies, he's going to crush them. What a, you, see how, you see how religion has perverted our thinking? We're supposed to love our enemies, Jesus says, who is the exact representation and image of God, but he doesn't get to do that? Oh, no, no, no. It's absolutely, God is a consistent image. There is one. He absolutely loves his enemies. He is the God that causes his reign to fall on the just and the unjust. He is good and he shows mercy to the wicked and the, and the un, unkind, etc., etc. So, so here we go. How do we change people? We, we, we love them. We help them to make a change of process, of thinking. Because Romans, again, Romans, I'm going to go back up to um, 12 verse 1 over here. It says that, uh, I, where did, I, did I lose my spot again? Sorry. It says that, um, oh, come on, Shannon. Sorry. <laughs> I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. I love that scripture. I love that part. In view of God's mercy. In other words, listen, guys, I want you to understand this. You have to be cognizant of God's mercy towards you. In view of God's mercy towards you. Mercy is God treating us better than we deserve. That's what mercy is. Mercy and grace, a lot of people just sort of define grace and mercy and that's not the same thing. Mercy is God treating us better than we deserve. In view of God's mercy, have we been shown mercy? 
Absolutely. Did God show the world mercy? Absolutely, by sending declarations of mercy. In view of God's mercy. So we have to be cognizant. We've got to sort of stand, bask in the glory of God's mercy. Understanding how, much, how merciful he is. How much he's forgiven us. Then we can... So in view of God's mercy, it says this. Um, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and pro uh, proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. Metamorphosis. You've heard that one before. The tadpole becomes the frog. And all of those, the caterpillar becomes the butterfly. Metamorphosis. There is a metamorphosis. Morpho, meta. Remember metanoia? It's changes. There is an absolute transformation. The renewing of your mind to think it, to become new again. So Jesus says that, here, oh sorry, not Jesus, but the word of God tells us in Romans 12 that this is how we're going to experience transformation. By the renewing of our mind. By understanding that, that our mind is the gateway. In fact, I, I failed to mention that. When in, if you go and study that in Proverbs 2, where it talks about um, you split open a man's soul, and that's who he really is. That word, sha'ar, is actually gatekeeper. As a man thinks, your thought processes are really the gateway of what you let in and out of your heart. What you think on, what you think on, is going to be the transformation process. Why? Just because you think you're going to? No, because what you think on is going to determine what you're going to let in and out of your heart. It's going to be the gatekeeper both ways. If you want the seed of the word of God to come into it, you're going to have to think. 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 Yes, thinking is the word meditating and, and, and processing. and Thinking takes time. Yes, it takes time. You've got to go back and chew on something. You know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm a little bit against these read the Bible through in a year kind of stuff. Because it, it feels like you want to just be able to tell people I read the Bible in a year. And, and I'm not going to judge somebody's motive, so I, that's why I'm careful. Because I don't, know, I don't know what people's motives are. It doesn't matter. But to me, I would rather you get, sink your teeth so to speak, your spiritual teeth and digest and assimilate something in your heart. Believe it in your heart more than just read through a bunch of scriptures. Well, I read four chapters today. No. Process. Chew on. Meditate. Think. We are told to, to, to put off the old man and put on the new. Here it says we are transformed. We metamorphose. We become different by letting by, by renewing our mind. So the process is, is, a, is a matter of, of it, I'm, I'm just getting real practical here. Hope you don't mind. It's real quiet. <laughs> but real practical means that, yes, my heart, I'm summarizing, my heart is my responsibility. What are you going to let in your heart? What are you going to let out of your heart? What do you believe? Have you stored the word of God in your heart? Are you letting the seed find deep soil? Or do you just hear the words of God and say, yeah, I read the Bible in a year. Or I went to church. Like I said, Jesus said that. He said, listen, people can be in the same church service. Hear the word of God. Both hear the same word of God. 
One does it. And again, what is the does it part? Believe. One believes. Where do you believe? You believe in your heart. How do you do believe? You will let your mind. Your mind is the gatekeeper. You, it's how you think on, how you, tr you transform your life by the renewing of your mind. What you let in, what you let out comes through with your head. You know, I, I'm going to save this for a kicking over a sacred cow day, a big one, but when it comes to spiritual warfare, 2 Corinthians 10 does not talk about demons. 2 Corinthians 10, where it's, in fact, let me just go there quickly. Second um, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. I'm reading this part of the English Standard Version. For though we walk in the flesh, in the bodies, flesh, when the Bible talks about flesh, you've got to sometimes understand the context. Sometimes it's talking about just walking in the flesh, in the, car, in the carny, in, in this, though we have fleshly bodies, um, and then sometimes it's talking, talking about depending on your physical abilities and not on the spirit. But in any case, it says here, verse 3, 2 Corinthians 10 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I don't like the NIV translation of there. And if you go and understand, you go and look at in different translations, Young's literal and even the New King James, it says we bring every into captivity. It's actually to lead it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And what does that actually mean? It means, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm opening a bit of a Pandora's box here, but, but what it, I'm just going to throw this out here. It's not saying, it's not saying, oh, I've got to take every thought captive. You've got, you've got to try and grab this thought. Listen, that is, I don't know if you've ever tried that, but I did. And, and I, if you know how to grab every thought captive, there, there, is, a, there is a part we, where, we, where we meditate and we pray in the spirit and we keep our minds on, it's like, it's kind of the principle that you think on the light and darkness doesn't exist. You, you can instantly, you, you replace that thought with the God thought. What, what did Jesus' obedience earn us? What did Jesus' obedience earn us? Did it earn us that? Was the victory in that? What did his finished work earn us? What did his ascension and what he presented, did it earn us? So when we take every thought captive, we have got to, we have got to take those thoughts, those become strongholds in our minds. I'm telling you, if we can control our minds and our thoughts, and there's parts of that, hearing, and of course James tells us about the power of the tongue. You can steer, there's ways to confess. Meditate actually means to think and to mumble. It's, there's this, this part that's, that you're getting, you're getting your tongue involved. You're getting your, your, all of these things are part of a bigger uh, um, continuum. When, we, when, we, when we, we've been speaking on, on, at Overflow and we've been speaking about the power of, of praying in other tongues, tongues, Pastor Greg's book, uh, flowing in the supernatural, powerful, the seven benefits of praying in the spirit, you know, but you, don't, you do not know how you ought to pray, but the spirit leads us in your, in your, in, teaches us how to pray, etc., etc. you know, so, but, the, but meditating is actually, is talking, it's, it's actually mumbling, it's, it's, it's using your mouth. It's so, it, there's a process of thinking and there's a process of, of meditating and, and getting your heart, your heart established in truth.
your heart taking the seed of the word of God and putting it in your heart. What is it to, to repent? Repent means, to repent means to, you've got to be willing to let your opinion and your traditions go. Yes. You and I all, we all have ideas. But you don't understand. Uh, I have been to this Bible school and I've been to that Bible school and I've got this teacher in my life and I've got, what it, what it, whoever you are, whatever fantastic teachers you've had in your life, the question remains, are you willing to, to bow your knee to what scripture says? Are you willing to repent and change the way you think according to scripture? If you are not willing to change your mind according to scripture, then you, you're not repenting in that area. You've got to say, I'm going to repent. Lord, help me to change the way I think about this. Because if we hold on to our traditions, well, I'll just get 15 people to pray with me and we'll assault the heavens and then pray that Jesus comes down and gives it to me or gives it to them. Come people, let's all pray together. We can do it. And the idea is that we're going to sort of, you know, twist God's arm. You're not going to persuade God if you get a thousand people. You think God's going to relent and say, oh gosh, you got a thousand and one people. I guess I have to do it. It's, it's kind of ludicrous. We either... Faith, faith, is, faith is absolute, tr simply trusting. The shield of faith is when we say, no, this is what the word of God says. Amen. This is what the word of God says. I, I, I believe that. This is what my senses are telling me. I've still got pain in my body, but this is what the word of God says. As soon as the thought comes, this is what the word of God says. This is what the word of God says. But I don't feel it. This is what the word, it doesn't matter. Pastor, and Pastor Greg said that. He said, Don't, you can't be in faith by looking at the calendar or the clock. If you're looking at the calendar on the clock, then you're in circumstance theology. You're saying, I'm going to believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it, said Thomas. Why do you doubt? Why do, do we, when we take the word of God as our absolute reality... And we are resting in it. And we, have, we are changing. We are repenting. We, are, we have a willingness to say, Lord, no matter who I hear from, whoever, Pastor Shannon or whoever, I am willing to bow my knee. It doesn't matter where you hear this from because you can hear me say some, some stuff and you can hear me say some other stuff. Some of the stuff I may be wrong in, some of the stuff you may hear me wrong in. It doesn't matter. You have to be able to go and, and you take the scripture. Your responsibility is are you going to get it in your heart? Are you going to renew? Are you going to repent? Bow your knee to that. Bow your knee so to, 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 to repent to your Lord. Remember you called him Jesus. You called him Lord, right? You, you realize that means that you don't get to decide what to do. If you call him Lord. If you call him Lord, he gets to decide. Otherwise, don't do yourself the disfavor of calling him Lord. Don't say, oh yeah, I worship the Lord. No, just say you go to church. That's better. That's more honest. Ouch, I didn't mean that sounded really hard. But, but you, you understand, when, when Jesus, look, look guys, G, Jesus wants the best for you and me. He loves us. This is all from a motive of intense, passionate love. God wants us to have life and life more abundantly. He wants us to have life and life more abundantly.
Amen. So renewing the mind, understanding these principles, understanding the heart, how we think about things is, is so essential. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that as you're working in our hearts this, this series today and as we, as we understand what you're telling us, Father, I, I pray for hearts that are humble, that can surrender to your Lordship. And say, Lord, I, I'm willing to go and check that out in Scripture. I, I'm, I'm willing, no matter who has said it, to believe what you say. I don't want to believe traditions. I am not going to swallow just what I hear from my culture or from my church I am going to hear what you say to me in the word of God Father thank you that these things that you've spoken to us are always that we may have life and have it abundantly and if we, if you here today or online and you have not or are not experiencing the life of God, the first and most important decision is to make Jesus Lord. To make him Lord of your life. You and I will never be good enough to earn our way to heaven. You and I will never be able to live this life in our strength but Lord we know that your grace is sufficient and Lord we we declare that with our mouth that we believe that you died on the cross for us and, and we confess you as Lord we know that you will save us that you have saved us when we do that This morning too, if, if you need to repent, I don't need you to come up to the front. There is no front. Jesus is not up here on the platform. He's everywhere. He's right in your heart. But do you need to repent? Who are you believing? Are you willing, are you willing to be teachable? Because Jesus said that God gives grace to the humble, to the teachable. But if we think we know it, we are resisting God. We are resisting his ways. Our pride will keep us from experiencing life. I'm going to say this, you know. Many Christians don't experience change in their lives. If you are not experiencing change in your life, it's because you haven't changed what you believe. If you haven't changed what you believe, you will not experience change in your life. Because life flows from the heart where we believe. Are you willing to prioritize? Are you willing to believe Jesus?
that his word is true, that he does have life for you? Are you willing for him to put that in your heart? Are you willing to adopt the priorities that he says are the priorities? Or are you the Lord of your life? This morning, as we just digest that and tell the Lord that, I'm just going to, in my mind, I just think as Warren's just playing, just take a minute, just 60 seconds. If you have to write one, one of those heart note cards in your seat back pockets, if you have a thought that the Lord speaks to you, write it down. What does this mean? What change do I want in my life? Is my life the same? Has it changed? Do I want it to change? Why? To what end? Will I do it his way? Father, thank you that it is for freedom that you have set us free and that as we hear and know your truth and abide in your word, we are your disciples and followers of you. And the truth is that that you desire intimacy, intimacy, intimacy. This whole thing has always been about intimacy with you. You are a good God, a good father who wants the best for his children. And I hope that this word doesn't feel harsh this morning. But but if the Lord, if the spirit of God is using that in your heart, Hebrews tells us that if God is actually, that's actually God's discipline. That's how God disciplines. He doesn't discipline you by breaking your leg. He disciplines us by his word and, and he speaks to us and he shows us the way. And, and, and some of you can interpret this message and, and it can be, wow, that's how, I can, that's how I can garden my heart. That's how I can transform my life. That's how I can experience change. Amen.